right, just a quick story before we get into the stories that will be shared by our guest on this week's episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. And if you're wondering, yes, you're just getting the Farwell half of the Farwell and Pope on this portion of the podcast, but Pope is with us for the stories that will be shared by our guest in just a moment. But if you follow uh, OHL people on Twitter at all, you might have come across uh, an exchange not too long ago, maybe a month or so back, uh, from Snooky, Rob Snook, the play-by-play guy for the Peterborough Peets, who had tweeted uh, something along the lines of a, a huge thanks to Jimmy Gilchrist in Kingston for the helping hand. And he talked about sort of the uh, the family affair that is being an OHL broadcaster. And what ended up happening was you could only get so much from 140 characters, but I guess Snooky's equipment failed him while in Kingston and he needed to get on the air somehow. And wouldn't you know that Jimmy Gilchrist, who is the man when it comes to the broadcast in Kingston for the Frontenacs, uh, had a backup, had a spare kit back home of all places, phones home, gets his daughter who fortunately was there to dig the equipment out of the basement, bring it to the rink. And Snooky was able to get on the air and broadcast the Pete's portion of that game in Kingston that day, which, by the way, the Frontenacs went on and won two to one. So go, f- <laughs> I think that was the two one finish in that one. Anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, it just it spoke to the collegial atmosphere among even visiting or competing media, if you will. The teams on the ice are one thing. Uh, the guys and gals that work in the broadcast and media portion of it are quite another, and we we tend to get along extremely well. At least that's been. My sense. I remember my very first trip up to Kingston many, many years ago. And when Don Cameron and I got there, uh, Jimmy was very quick to start handing out phone numbers because it was early in the season. And so, of course, Kingston being in the East, Jimmy sees those teams far more than we would. We go to the Eastern teams one time, and Jimmy's giving us the phone numbers for all of our broadcast locations. Oh, I've been here, I've been here, I've been here. This phone number changed, the hookup at this place changed, so we could know in advance what we would have to do when we got to those cities. And that was invaluable to me, especially my first go-round in this league, because I could just take Jimmy's notes, put them in my book for when we got to those cities, and I'd follow those notes, and they were bang on the money and it was just just the way that Jimmy always wanted to help out he's a details kind of guy which you will hear more of in the stories that are about to come up including the time he really came to bat to make sure I was prepared to go to of all places Ottawa which was also part of this trip that began in the Queen City of Kingston if I haven't said his name enough here's another one of those guys that's been around the game for more than a minute as Don Cameron used to say Jimmy Gilchrist from Kingston on the Farwell and Pope podcast. I was thinking about it coming up here, Jimmy. How many years now? How many years has it been? Uh, this is my 39th altogether. How many games? Um, you keep track? To, yeah, coming up to in uh, the sixth game of the playoffs will be 2,700. Wow. That's a lot of time it's, uh, in this a couple, a couple of games, yeah. <laughs> I noticed on the program when we came in, uh, there was a Kingston Canadians kind of uh, throwback memory game just the other night versus Peterborough. And I was thinking back to the Kingston team I remember as a kid. It was the Canadians. Then a year as the Raiders, and here we are now uh, as the France. But take us through the, uh, the, this, this franchise's history in the, in the city. Yeah, it's been a great, uh, great run. 73-74 was the first year. I was in Oshawa at that time, but uh, they were... 
Great uh, teams. They took over from the Montreal Junior Canadiens, but they had some outstanding players back then. Boy, they had a great run in the mid-70s once they had established themselves in the Ontario Hockey Association, as was known then. But guys like Bernie Nichols uh, was with the team when I came here in 1980. Rick Wilson back on the D. Mike Moffat in goal. It's Kitchener Roots there. But just uh, outstanding teams throughout uh, the history, and now they feel that they've got a great team here this year to go into that third round. It's been a while since they got into that third round, so it's just like a jinx on the team. But uh, second round the last couple of years, everybody was happy about that for the first time since the late 90s. But it's been around since they got to uh, round three, but uh, hopefully it's going to be this year. We walked in here. It's a beautiful new arena. We can put quotations around new. But uh, what did the, the K-Rock Center mean to the city and this franchise being built? Uh, really, uh, really gave it a, a huge boost at that time. It was a great, uh, we've been in the old barn there, Mike, that uh, great uh, atmosphere in that one at the old Memorial Center. But, but it was due. It was uh, joining the long list of teams and franchises that really needed something new. And a matter of fact, ironically enough, uh, next year, next year, next uh, week is the 10-year anniversary for this uh, building opening. But huge boost to not only uh, the team and the franchise, but the city itself. Finally, everybody after two or three years in, I said it from day one that, uh, and then finally everybody finally got onto it about two or three years later that, oh, go to dinner before or after a game, you know, park. Stay right there, go to dinner before or after a game. In our case, it would be after, of course. But, uh, you know, it finally got onto that. And people are saying now that because at the first they were saying, oh, it's going to take half an hour to get out of the building and out of the traffic jams and that. No, there's like 8,000 parking lots around here. So take your pick, park in one, you're out of here in five minutes after a game. One of the other great stories to come out of just this recent throwback game uh, was a young fellow. Well, but no, I'm still going to call him a young fellow by the name of Clifford, who scored the first goal as a goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League against the old Toronto Marlies. It was a beauty, too. It's a rolling puck right dead center of the net. And uh, probably today it wouldn't have counted because Mike Maurice of the Canadians that night took out a Marley defenseman at their blue line, just took him right into the place so he couldn't touch the puck, and the puck kept on rolling right into the center of the net. So first one ever by an OHL goaltender and Chris a very prominent lawyer here in town now so he's uh, reliving that over the last few days here as well but it was a great experience there at the old Memorial Center to see that. What led to the name change? Uh, was it just the, the the change of affiliation with the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, well, not not completely. It was the one year that they were the Raiders. The uh, owner of that year, he was a Peterborough guy, Lou Jankowski, uh, and uh, he uh, changed the name to the Raiders because he was a big Oakland Raiders fan, so he wanted the colors of the black and uh, white at that time. So he had the, the colors that year, black and white. But then he was threatening to move the franchise out of the city and go wherever. So then uh, Ren Blair and Bobby Addersley, who at that time was mayor of Whitby, they were part of the old franchise, the Kingston Frontenacs of the Eastern uh, Professional Hockey League back in the mid-50s. They really saved the franchise and came along and bought it from him. And, of course, then Ren wanted to go back to the Frontenacs name. So that's how they got back to this Frontenacs name. So that's, it's been that ever since uh, 89, 90 was the first year. Jimmy, you mentioned your longevity in this league and in broadcasting and whatnot. What what got you into it to start? Uh, just the interest as well. I, I didn't have the talent or the size that you can tell for playing in the game, so I, I wanted to stick in it somehow, and broadcasting was one that I just uh, really loved. Got into it. It was perfect timing, really. I was uh, going to high school in uh, Whitby, and uh, just when I graduated from there, a full-time uh, job came available at the radio station in Oshawa. I'd been working there part-time anyway my last two, three years there of high school. 
So then it came open for news and sports broadcasting there at the station in Oshawa. Picked it up in the sports and then uh, did the color on the general's commentary there from uh, 1972-73 to 79-80 uh, was my last year there. My first year there, there was a guy by the name of Rick Middleton there in Oshawa. They called him Nifty then, and you could see why, and it's, you could tell throughout his entire pro career that uh, why he was called that too, but that's where it all started. Don Cameron always said when we would make these trips up to Kingston, he said you, he was always looking forward to me getting to meet you for the first time. But he said you and, and the way you kept statistics, Jim, we'd come into Kingston and Don said you'd get a better stats pack than anywhere else in the league. And he is convinced that Herbie Morrell stole your formula for stats in this league. Now, what, what made you start doing that and providing that level of detail? Just help me. That that is something that I wish that I had patented. I've, I've got to see Herbie and still talk to him about that. See if I can get a couple of bucks from him. Anyway, Bobby Tyndall, who was an old scout and he was a good friend of uh, Jimmy Morrison's, who was co-chair of the Canadians, longtime scout with Boston Bruins. He was the one that really pointed that out to me. That he said, you know, he said you started this years ago, and now he says, of course, everybody does this. It was just a little package that I put together that really helped me. And then all of a sudden, I thought, well, I'll make a copy for the visiting radio guy too and whoever else, the newspaper guy, too. So I just made maybe four or five extra copies per game. And then it just took off from there, and the guys came in, and they wanted that. And a couple of the scouts, of course, wanted them as well. And now look at what it's become. So if I hadn't known, you see, it was, that's why I just graduated high school and didn't go any further. I wasn't sharp enough to pick up on that and, you know, patent that out. But, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I'll call Herbie tomorrow. <laughs> You'd figure you'd at least be able to get a sponsorship from Staples or something. Well, I should hope so, yeah. Jeez, yeah, I'll call them too. Thanks, guys. This is great. This is helpful for i got to go yeah. now and make these calls. <laughs> you, uh, we were talking about the Canadians and then the Raiders and your time in Oshawa. When you first came to Kingston, is there a memory that really stood out for you as a as a welcome to town kind of thing and, and the switch of the franchise? Yeah, I think just the, the welcome that I got. I mentioned Jim Morrison, and, of course, he had connections with Kitchener there. He coached in Kitchener before he coached here. Great guy, great family. They really welcomed us in here to uh, Kingston, and it was uh, kind of a family atmosphere here, the entire ownership and coaching and training staff and everybody that really helped because uh, at that time I only knew a handful of people my wife was pregnant with our first child at that time. She knew absolutely nobody. So here we were <laughs> in about a week or two. You know, I was taking off for three or four days going up north to Sault Ste. Marie or Sudbury. Here she was pregnant at home knowing absolutely nobody. So other than that, it went really well. But, but a guy I worked with at the radio station at that time, like I became sports director of the station when Max Jackson retired a couple of years later. So the guy said there my first year here, he said, once you spend a summer here, you'd never want to leave. So it's, uh, you were going on about how downtown is great. You should see it here in the summertime. There's something happening every weekend, so it's great. For the people who are listening who've never been up here in the summer or winter, how would you describe Kingston? Uh, this is something that a lot of guys come in, and they, they can't believe this. Right downtown here, right here on the waterfront, you see the uh, ferry going over to Wolf Island, which has over 1,000 people over on it to living there. That's the, where they live, just a ferry across the little bay here. Just then you're right down on the waterfront. The city hall is right on the waterfront. Beautiful Confederation Park right there in front of it. It's uh, one of the most unique cities, I think, around. And I'm not just saying that because we've been here since 1980. It's just where can you get something like that? And then all the patios and everything else downtown here during the summer, you can't go five feet without running into one that uh, you've got to sit down at. So that uh, you can relax there. But just, uh, just a great atmosphere among the, among the whole city. 
We could uh, we could list names forever, I think, given your 39 years in this business. And you mentioned already Middleton and Nichols and Todd Gill, you and I were talking about before we even started this recording, of course, who coached here now, coaching with the Owen Sound Attack. Uh, but, but here you still are, Jimmy. Here I still am. What is it about this league, maybe not even this city, but what is it about this league that keeps us around and, and out of the AHL or maybe even the NHL? Yeah, well, I think uh, great question, though, Mike, but I think uh, it really uh, hit me pretty hard here this past weekend when we had the Canadians reunion and you see guys like a Chris Clifford or guys coming back from the pros we had one here a couple of years ago during the summer too where there were more uh, guys came back and there were a few guys that I hadn't seen since they went on to the NHL and played in all their pro career and then came back here for that reunion one of them Jeff Chikorin who of course his son played in uh, Sarnia recently so you know you've been around a long time when there's sons of guys you know I think I might pack it in when grandsons maybe start <laughs> playing around but we'll see what happens there but anyway that's it seeing a, a kid you know and uh, not too many realize that these are just kids that we're dealing with here right now you know 16 to 20 years old they're basically just kids and they were back then as well to see them graduate not only as hockey players, but men, now they're over 50 years old and they've got kids themselves who have gone on to good careers doing whatever, off the ice or whatever. So that's great to see. And, and they come back and they're glad to see you too. They remember you and great times that we had together. So it's, it's times like that, I think, that really hit me. You mentioned, we've, I think we've mentioned about 20 names already. Um, Two Frontenac uh, names up in the banners, Corpse and Ling from the olden days. Who, who are some of the who, – who's maybe the best player that you've seen come through this organization? I think uh, – well, you mentioned Kelly Corpse. I think he was one of the best ones there, too. Chris Gratton, who went on to a fairly short pro career. I thought he'd be going a bit longer there, but I think he ran into some injury problems. But uh, he was another good one here where once you see them play here or play in the junior, you know that you've got that talent. Middleton, obviously, was the number one for me that uh, you saw them play here in the OHL or whatever, and you knew they were going to, you know, it was just a matter of time before they were in the... Another guy who I remember from my first year that was really a man playing in a boys' league then was Dennis Potvin, played for Ottawa. He was just enormous, and he just... I don't know what he had against Walter Johnson for Oshawa that year, but every game he'd go after him. Like, where Walter, he wouldn't say boo if he had, you know, anything. And he wasn't a tough guy or anything, but for some reason, Dennis Potvin hated Walter Johnson. He went after him every game we played against him. But anyway, Dennis Potvin was another uh, guy from year one that I really remember from other teams. But with Frontenacs, I'd say uh, Kelly Corpse, uh, along with uh, a few other guys that just outstanding players. They could tell that uh, really good in this league. Kelly didn't do too much in the pros, but he sure was in this league. Random trivia for you. Kelly Grant, former Kitchener Ranger, so named because of Kelly Corpse. Wow. His parents were big wow. fans, and he's from the area, so there you go. That's how he became Kelly Grant. Uh, we talk about all these players, Jimmy, and uh, I think away from the ice, but so integral to this league is another name that's synonymous with hockey up in this area, and that's Larry Mavity. Tell us about him. Great guy. He's at all the home games. You'll see him here in the media room before the game here. Had some health issues here lately, so he doesn't go on the road very much with the team, but uh, he's here at every home game, and he's kind of still that one guy that uh, Doug Gilmore is now just president of the team, but the general manager, Darren Kiley, will also go to just to get some uh, very good advice from, and it's it's that guy that I think Doug Gilmore, if there's going to be a big decision made, he's going to talk to uh, Mav before he makes that decision, no matter what it is, because he still really values his opinion that much you you mentioned that he's a sounding board so to speak but looking at looking back at what he did with this franchise 
Is there a more important figure with the front next than Larry Mavity? No, I'm pushing to get him into the the Kingston Hall of Fame here, really, to tell you the truth. And there's not too many who go along with that saying, well, you know, what did the team do? We didn't get past the first round of playoffs <laughs> and all that. But no, never mind that. He really, I think, helped save the franchise. You know, the first few years when we were back here, he was involved somehow in coaching or GM and still is here in some way or another. There's a lot of kids that have played either with him in Belleville or especially here that uh, every time they come back here to Kingston and a lot have gone on to either NHL careers or scouting careers now in the NHL that the first guy they want to talk to when they come in this building is Larry Mavney. So that's the respect they hold for them. And so I think he should be in there and we're pushing to get him in there. We've mentioned travel a couple of times in passing. We don't get to go to the most glamorous places on the <laughs> OHL circuit, that is for sure. I'll never forget a few years ago, you were giving me all the warnings when we were going up to Ottawa during the renovations. You said, Mike, make sure you wear an old suit, watch over the drywall dust, I'll tell you. And I got those drywall stains on the suit for sure, the <laughs> dust stains. But uh, how, how do you feel about all of the miles that you love? Do you think about it? Uh, any, any long trips or, or memorable trips for you over the years? Oh, yeah, there have been a few, none of which we can talk about on here. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> the names have been changed yeah, to protect exactly. the to protect the marriages and the innocent. But <laughs> but, but uh, no, it's it's all part of it. And uh, I was just talking to somebody about that last night. They were asking about the same thing, and I said, you know, when you're winning, it's a lot more fun, eh? and so you really enjoy it. If you're not winning, and we've had those seasons where at this time of the year you can tell you're not making the playoffs. So let's get this over with. You're going, oh, 13 more to go. Just for God's sake, let's just play them straight. You know, it's 60 minutes straight time. You know. But most of them have been uh, that, and you enjoy it. But what I enjoy is going around and meeting uh, people like you guys and uh, other people around the league that you get to know, the broadcasters, writers, and everybody, and coaches that you get to see when you go to those uh, cities just once a year over in the Western Conference. So you get to see them that one time, so you enjoy it there. We've talked about how you started in Oshawa and then came here. What led to the change? I was a challenge. I was just doing the color commentary there in Oshawa, so this was the first shot at play-by-play here in Kingston. So that was the that was the big advantage there, and also become a sports director of the radio station in another year because Max Jackson was retiring there. So all that was on the line. So it was a huge boost for me professionally. So that's uh, that was it. That's really what uh, led to it. And uh, my wife was all for it. And without her support, I never would have been able to to do that. And as it turns out, now we've got. Uh, three beautiful daughters and they consider Kingston here home they're not moving out of here anytime soon and they didn't marry any hockey players either so (laughs) that's good parenting that was my one stipulation yeah (laughs) from hearing stories on the bus obviously you've been there and done that too so what what, what happens on the bus stays on the bus Uh, yes and you're not dating any (laughs) hockey players (laughs) what's the uh, what's the biggest goal you've had the privilege of calling here for the Kingston organization uh, well, I'd say that the Chris Clifford goal, and uh, obviously that uh, not too many can say that that they've announced uh, goals for uh, you know with by goaltenders. Uh, one unfortunately wasn't for Kingston, but it was funny. We were just talking about this last night. It was uh, I think the still longest game in OHL history. It went into four overtimes in Belleville. Game ended at ten to two in the morning, and we lost to Belleville there in the fourth overtime period. But. Uh, Jim Dory, former uh, NHL defenseman, he did an interim coach here a couple of times. He did color with me a few years. So just at the home games, but for some reason that night, decided to drive up to Belleville for the game. So he came up there and he was with me that night. So of all nights, that was great. But he gets back, you know, we didn't get back until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning that night after the guys changed and we got home. I was in the next morning at 6 o'clock, had to do the sports at 6 o'clock. So then his wife calls, you know, because he gets home after 3 o'clock. 
And she's going, where have you been? And he said, well, I'm just getting home from the hockey game. She said, no, hockey game ends at 3 o'clock in the morning. What do you think you're doing? So she phones me when our uh, switchboard opened up after 9 o'clock. She phones me and she says, uh, Jimmy, he says, trying to tell me that he was out till 3 o'clock in the morning and that the hockey game. What's going on? I, said, I don't know what he's talking about, Dale. I was home in bed by midnight. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but then I came true and told her the true story. So, but that was, that was one of the big calls there, too. Unfortunately, not for Kingston, but still, I think, the longest in OHL playoff history into the fourth overtime. And they say the game ended at 10 to 2 in the morning. We had a kid in Kitchener at one point in time who may have worked with me on broadcasts in the past, Mike Torquia, who loved firing at those empty nets any chance he got. So if you go back to Chris Clifford, the first goal scored by a goal in the OHL, do you remember anything about the call? I mean, how surprised were you watching this happen? You could tell the puck was going in so long as nobody touched it. And it was that one guy at the blue line that I saw Mike Maurice take out. He was the only one anywhere near it because I think both teams are kind of changing. So the, the exact center of the ice was just open and the puck was rolling too to make it even better and you could just see it going in and it was one of those where you know you're kind of looking over and you said did I, we just see that and it had to be the first in Kingston history we, we didn't realize it was the first in OHL history we thought well yeah that must have happened somewhere but then quickly checked it out and no that's first in OHL history so that was great to be part of that you checked it out in your own stat package. Right? <laughs> yes, I, I did. As a matter of fact, thank you very much. Herbie, yeah. are you listening? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't have to give Herbie a call. I know Herbie. Herbie was calling me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was calling you to figure out if that was the first. Um, walking downstairs around the concourse, there's the Kingston Sports Hall of Fame, and you made reference to it. One of the members there, Don Cherry, of course. He loves to talk about Kingston kids. You've mentioned another one in Doug Gilmore. Hockey, very important in this city. What does the Frontenacs mean to Kingston? Well, hopefully be, uh, they're not going to fill the building here today. I can guarantee you that. They still haven't caught on here. I think we had over 4,000 here Friday night. That was the first over 4,000 in the last uh, month or so. So still with all this talent the team's gotten after all the wheeling and dealing they made, they still, you know, they've got to see it to believe it. That's what I uh, keep saying here, that until you get into that second or third round, then they'll start filling the building here. But that's unfortunate, but I think that's just going by past history. A lot go past on that. But I think we'll see the attendance really start boosting up here over the next month or so. But it's, uh, you know, hockey in the city, a great history to it with guys like Gilmore, Cherry and Muller, all these names are just uh, endless there. And you can see them all downstairs there in the hall. You and I were chatting in the media room just before we came out here for this recording about this Frontenac's team. And, you know, I joked with you a little bit. Is, it, is this the one? Finally, Jimmy, you're going to get beyond that first round. But uh, And you seem to have the same feeling that most do in the league this year. It's Hamilton. It's Kingston. I mean, not to take away from anything else in the East. I think Barry's all right. Mississauga, you never know. But it looks like Hamilton and, and Kingston are on that collision course. What makes you feel uh, good about this team this year? Uh, begins with the goaltending. That's what uh, Darren Kiley did when he made all these trades. That was the main guy right there and Jeremy Helvig, and I think uh, I'll counter with that too. And I think if we do come down to between Hamilton and us in the final of the Eastern Conference, that it's it's going to be the goaltending going to make the major difference. And I think we've got it all over Hamilton in that case. And it's uh, just the, the home ice advantage, maybe the one thing that I'm a bit concerned about there with Hamilton. They might have something there. We can really improve on our road record. You know, Just like any team, I think, in the OHL, you've got to have a great road record to be successful in this league. So that's the one thing that I'm really kind of concerned about there. But I think it will come down to the goaltending. So, Jimmy, we do this podcast every Friday, and uh, we talked about a couple lighthearted questions that we would start asking people. And I was thinking about one today when I left the hotel, and I wanted to go for a walk. So I wanted to walk around Kingston. I haven't been around the city much. I came up here to watch a game a couple times, but then I went directly home. And I was walking around downtown, and I thought I should start making my way back to the rink. But 
I wanted a coffee. So my question that I'm going to start asking people on this podcast is where's the spot to get a good local coffee in Kingston? Uh, Morrison's Restaurant, right across from uh, the Market Square. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it there or not. Morrison's, you can time getting your the plate. To, first time a guy took me, he says, okay, we'll have it here in seven minutes. Sure enough, bang, there was the thing. You can only have one refill, though, on the coffee after that. You're done because they've got to get you out the door because there's usually <laughs> a lineup in the summertime. They're lined up to get into the place. But great place there. So Morrison's Restaurant, downtown Kingston. Do you listen to any music besides the Tragically Hip? Is it loud? Be- well, it's showing my age here, but Beatles. Always yeah. I've been a huge Beatles fan, but then, uh, yes, of course, and uh, Fleetwood Mac. Always a Fleetwood Mac fan, too. Love Fleetwood. Do you have a pregame meal? Uh, not really, no. Nothing today whatsoever. If you let me go here, I'll be able to get something. <laughs> Jimmy, you are one of the guys I look forward to seeing on the circuit. I wish we got to do it more. Thanks for doing this. Okay, and all the best. Uh, shout out to Donnie Cameron back there, a true professional. Uh, I'm not going to break his records. Don't even think about it. They'll have to wheel me in here to uh, in order to break his records of any kind, and uh, or else uh, set me up with a uh, thing from the retirement home or the old folks' home, so, where my wife works. So I've got a room there Your booked already. Yeah. So yeah, but a shout out to Donnie. And make sure you say hello to him and his family there. Consider it done. Thanks a lot, Jim. Yep, no problem, guys. I told you he was a details guy. <laughs> and there is Jimmy Gilchrist, who has been broadcasting the Kingston Frontenacs for going on 40 years now. Well, and that means the Kingston Canadians, and that one year as the Raiders included in all of that. He's seen some great players come through the organization, but they have been lacking in that playoff success. Is this the year that it all changes? Well, I can tell you from the game that we saw the France play. It would appear as though the Eastern Conference this season is going to come down to Kingston and Hamilton. I know, Barry, I know. And okay, Mississauga, Dark Horse, I get it. But Niagara? Sure. I don't mean to disparage any of the teams in competition for the Eastern Conference crown, but for my money, that's the way it looks right now, but you still have to play the game on the ice, not on paper. And you may remember the Frontenac's Collapse, no other way to put it, of just a few short seasons ago when they were up 3-0 on the Peterborough Peets in round one. And the Peets came all the way back. That's just the kind of run that it's been for Kingston. We'll see if that changes. And it's a deeper run into the playoffs this year. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Continue to follow along. Hey, drop us a note, review, give us a rating if you feel so inclined and on twitter you'll find us at farwell underscore ohl and at underscore chris hope and thanks for listening to another episode of the farwell and pope podcast i'm jeff woods and i'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it he just was one of those people he stood out he's a magic guy he really was a magic guy all we all have force he had the same amount of force as we all had this was before led zeppelin robert was full on i mean he was led zeppelin without the band behind him he had the hair the jeans the whole thing you know and he was amazing the records and rock stars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts all the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.